student ministry impacted your life? Ever since I started coming to New Hope, I've just been t- been able to continue to just grow in God's faith and just continue to grow in Him and continue to have a sparkling in me. I felt really welcome the first time I walked in the door and just now being on the dream, on a dream team and just being able to lead students that a year ago I didn't even know and, and into the presence of the Lord. So. so God moved to me in a big way by Pastor Western coming after practice and giving my team Gatorade. Ever since then, I was changed in a very big way. I've gotten to meet so many great people at New Hope, and I've gotten to have so many great mentors and people to pour into me and to help me grow spiritually and to help me to help other people to grow spiritually. How has staffing camp this summer impacted you? Um, I think really just I'm not one to be bold with people I don't know. And so just pulling me out of my shell and praying over little kids and being able to impact our next generation of world impactors and so getting to just be with them. By staffing this summer, it helped me get comfortable with being uncomfortable with God. From serving others to praying over people and going to the altar and also just being a light for so many. It was, it was a missions field in its own way. I got, to, I got to experience God with so many great campers, and I got to minister to so many people one-on-one. Serving this camp has just been able to let me see what God can do even with young children and old adults and older students. Anybody is able to be used by God, even if they're eight or nine years old, you just got to let Him use them and not pull them away from them. Through all that God has done in these students' lives, all of the testimonies, all of the growth, the highest highs and the lowest lows, we still believe that there is more. And there is one statement that rings true. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. I'm so proud that we get to be a part of the journey. And listen, if not for Pastor Johnny in my life, if not for people like Pastor Chris and Megan, who are youth leaders in our youth group, me growing up as a teenager, like if not for, for them in my life along in my journey. And I'm sure as, as I'm telling that story, you can think of people that, that were in your life along in your journey. Maybe a, a mother or a father, maybe an aunt or an uncle or a parent. Is that, is that enough? Is that enough to it? No? Too much? Was it too much? It was too much. Anyway. A godfather or godmother. I don't know. My North Louisiana nuisance. Anyway. Um, but I'll never forget. I'll never forget the people that were in my life along the way that helped me, that equipped me, that, that spoke life to me. And church, I'm, I'm here to tell you and remind you today that we have a generation and generations that are coming up behind us that need you, that need you like never before. Let me tell you who we're dealing with. The, the generation, Gen Z, if you will, are considered to be about ages, between the ages of 9 and 24. Gen Alpha is uh, 8 and under, all right? These are the generations that have been labeled uh, these days really by, by us, the, the previous generations, the older, the elders, if you will. Let me tell you who we're dealing with today. Between these two generations, they have been considered to be the most medicated, the most depressed, the most attacked, the most misinformed, 
the most misidentified, the most needy, the most pragmatic, problematic, individualistic, self-indulgent, self-expressive, and socially active. They're also viewed as the biggest screen addicts, digital natives, if you will. And according to McCrindle research studies out of Australia, Gen Alpha is considered the most materially endowed generation ever. Why? Because they have everything at their fingertips. Everything. Technology is at its biggest it's ever been. Can I, this is how old I am or how young I am, depending on how old you are. Um, the iPhone came out whenever I was a teenager. Like, I remember going from Nokia, playing Snake. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all are like, I remember when we didn't have phones. <laughs> Hello. Welcome. <laughs> but I remember going from Nokia to an iPhone, and I thought I was cool, y'all. I thought I had, now I have a screen. I only have, like, two buttons compared to, like, 12. Like, that's awesome. But I'll never forget that is what broke my generation. And now we have perfected it and it's evolved. And now we hand it to teenagers at 11, 12, 13 years old and say, hey, good luck, have fun, be safe. These generations that are coming up behind us need our help. And I know many of you can quickly say, oh no, I tell you what they need. They need a good whooping. I tell you what they need. They need a, a good, quick, swift kick in the rear. That's what they need. They need to be grounded for the rest of their life until they're 30. <laughs> I agree some of that may be true, okay? They do, they do need some of those things sometimes. But can I tell you, honestly, they, they just need you to be authentic. Come on, I hope you're taking notes today, adults. Sometimes they just need you to be genuine. Some, sometimes they just need us to be transparent with them because we need to stop sweeping things under the rug and, and stop pretending that there's not a problem. Listen, television, movies, social media, that, they give them enough synthetic, enough fake, enough fantasizing things. Listen, they get enough of that, they don't need you being fake too. So it's time that we as adults and we as the elder generations before them give them something to learn about and to follow after. Something to pursue that is worth pursuing. And I'm here today, listen, not to bash the older generation and not to coddle the younger. But I'm here to help us become the leaders that God has called us to be. And I'm here to help the younger generation become the leaders that they've been called to be. Because it's not one or the other, it is both and. So we have got to, in order to do this, fan the flame, considering this hot topic series that we have been in, and this is going to make sense in a minute, we have to stoke the embers, if you will. We have to be willing, watch this, to work alongside these generations and stop putting them down to a pedestal and saying, hey, this is far enough. This is good enough. Listen, you've done good up until this point. Now I need you to just stay right here. 
Listen, church, we, have, we cannot get to this place where we just say, hey, listen, uh, uh, you're good right here. And, and obviously, like, your ceiling is my floor. Like, you can't grow any higher than me. You can't make more money than me. You can't do this. You can't, because you don't have the experience that I have. I grew up in the 90s. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> good for me. I grew up in the, anyway. <laughs> but we can't just to tie them and say, hey, that's good enough. You've made it this far and that's, that's fine. But the, the problem with that is they were created for more. Watch this. They were gifted with more. And it's because of that that they can utilize that. Listen, we've got to bring them alongside of us so we can link arms with them, so we can help guide them and yoke with them and say, hey, listen, that's bad. This is good. That's, that is of the devil. Don't go down there. And this is of Jesus. You need to follow me. And it's really hard to follow you when they're underneath your feet. Have young children. What are you doing? Get out. Stop it. Right? You would agree. But it's easier when they're alongside you because eventually, watch this church, we're not building a building for us now. We're building a building for the next generation and this now generation because watch this, they're going to take this thing further than we could have ever thought or imagined it could. So we've got to be willing to take them alongside us and say, hey, let, let me train you. Let me help you. Let me equip you with my experience with what little I may know or don't know, let me help you. So we got to go alongside them. I love what Peter Scazzaro said, emotionally healthy leader. We went through it as a staff. Great book. He says, we have to let young eagles fly. Listen, if we clip their wings as they're young and say, hey, this, this is far enough, then we never get the product that we see in Pastor Micah and Bailey and being able to let them take over a youth ministry and take it further than we could have ever thought or imagined. If we could have just said, hey, that's good enough, then they would have stayed where they are. But because of God and because of his leadership, we've allowed them to, to flourish and they keep growing in God. That's just a testimony of what God's doing in their lives. A couple years ago, Pastor Chris preached a message called Never Go Out. Powerful message, and he used this scripture that I thought was so fitting for us today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Leviticus chapter 6. If you don't, you can uh, scroll with us on your, our YouVersion Bible app. It's actually on our app as well. And if you don't, you can actually uh, tune in on the screen behind me. Uh, it's also in your bulletin as well. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 8. Moses is speaking to Aaron. And Aaron and his sons are considered to be the Levitical priest. And he is basically giving them some guidelines, some instructions to, to follow what, when dealing with the burnt offering, the sacrifices that they had to make. And starting in verse 9, again, Moses saying to, to Aaron, he says, Command Aaron and his son, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth on the altar all night. Everybody say all night. all night. Until morning. And the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. All night. Have you ever, you ever built a bonfire? Of course you have. You guys are rural. <laughs> I live across a school and I am considered an outside of the city limits. Ask me how that makes sense. I don't know. 
Welcome to Eunice. All right. So, but what I love about bonfires, being in youth ministry for over 12 years, what I love about bonfires is if you want to put it out, guess what? Obviously, you can use water. I know my fire, my fire department's like, call us, please, please, for the love of God, call us. <laughs> but if you want to put out a fire real easy, show no effort. Do nothing. Why? Because it eventually will go out. You want to you wanna do something to make that fire burn? Stoke the embers. Come on, fan the flame. Find some gasoline or some diesel. No, okay, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Parents are like, why did you do this? Stop it. Don't do it. <laughs> Listen, if you want to put that fire out, do nothing. Don't do anything with it. Show it no attention. And I'm here to remind you today, church, number one, if you're taking notes, this generation, these young people that are coming up behind, behind us to be beside us, training them will require our attention. It will require your undivided attention because we don't want them to go out. We want to stoke this fire. We want to stoke the embers that are in their life. We want to fan the flame. We want to show them the attention that they need and that they deserve. And I don't know about you. I don't know if you've met any young children lately, but they require some attention. I have three under the age of seven. Our oldest just turned seven uh, last week. And, and listen, I, they have never forgotten my name. I don't know, in all their years of existence. I don't know if maybe you've run into this, but they never forget my name. Daddy! 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 Dad! Daddy! 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 Papa! Father! Hello! I need you! No, they've never called me that at all. That would be funny, though. Um, my wife calls me Weaver. Sometimes my daughters get a little out of line. Weaver! I'm like, uh-uh. No. No. That ain't for you. It ain't for her. She shouldn't be doing it. Kidding. But... But my, my kids have never forgotten my name, Daddy. In fact, whenever I was writing this message Tuesday morning, I'm sitting in my office, door closed, headphones on, and I hear these little voices in our office. Pastor Lydia had brought her two littles to, to the church to help her with health care. Help her, help her with health care. Um, so they were running around the office, and, I, and literally through my headphones, I hear, Mama, 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 Mama. Mama. And finally, I don't know what they wanted, but she responded, what? <laughs> I don't know if it was that violent. It sounded violent through my door and through my headphones. <laughs> I don't know what they needed, and I don't know if they got what they needed, but they sure got what they deserved. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's a joke. That is a joke. <laughs> It reminded me of a commercial I saw years ago. I don't know if y'all have ever seen this, but for whatever reason, like a mom is sitting in the front seat and the kid is in the back seat and he's like, mom, mom, mom. And he's like kicking her chair, mom, mom, mom. And finally she snaps and she goes, what? Brian, 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 Brian. See how you like it. <laughs> Go home today and do that to your kids. Tell me how it goes. <laughs> Why are you yelling at me? I don't know. <laughs> Seven years I've had this pent-up aggression. <laughs> I, listen, I know that, that is, that's a funny illustration. And again, it, 
seemingly insignificant. I don't know what Genesis or Judah needed from their mama, but I know they needed their mama. I, I know for whatever reason, they needed to get their mama's attention. And I want to remind you today, church, that tells me that our attention to them is of the utmost value and importance to this generation. That a lot of times, and listen, <coughs> excuse me, I'm guilty of it too, but sometimes we just, we don't have time, right? Or, or we're, not in the, we're not in the head space. We've had a long day. We, we just, man, drank. And listen, again, I'm guilty of it too. I have gone home after a long day of just making phone calls, just drained. Maybe we had a memorial service and it just kind of put me in a mood and I was just, you know, for whatever reason, it's just, you know, whatever have you, you're, you just had a bad day. And you go home and the one thing that you just need to do is you just need to, oh, I just need to veg for like 10 minutes. But yet for those 10 minutes, your kids need you the most. For 10 minutes that you just need to, I just need to, I just need some me time. I get it. Again, I'm preaching to the choir right now. But your me time could be vital and important attentiveness that your kids absolutely value. Daddy, daddy, daddy. They may not need something super significant, but in that moment, they need your attention. They need your attention. In fact, Jenny Mayo well-known well youth pastor for many, many years. She's quoted by saying this, be where you are. Be where you are. Be where your feet are. If you're in the room with your kids, give them your attention because they need it. Listen, I, I wanna remind you today, you have to realize that if they can't get your attention, they will find it, seek it, and get it from somewhere else. And you may not like it where they get it from. So we've got to get to a place where we're willing to give them our attention. Yeah. Let's continue reading Leviticus chapter 6, verse 10. And the priest, watch this, it's the priest that shall put on his linen garment, put his linen undergarment on his body, and he, he is the one that shall take up the ashes to which the fire has reduced to the burnt offering on the altar and put them beside the altar. Verse 11 then he shall take off his garments and put on the other garments and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. Watch this, number two. Training this next generation requires you. Yeah. Notice that the priest didn't email somebody to come help him. <laughs> he did, notice, notice that he didn't phone a friend, right? He did it himself. And listen, there are some things in this world that only require you. There are, there are people in your life that need you specifically. Why? Because we're each different. Listen, on Wednesday nights, yeah, the, your, your students, our students in our community, they need to, come on, praise God, they need to hear the, the, the pastors and, and the leaders that are in their life. But there are some things, parents, Come on, spiritual mothers and fathers, grandparents, aunts and uncles. There are some people that just need to hear your voice for a moment. For a moment. Whatever that looks like. Listen, we've got to be willing to open up our voice. There are some things that only you can do. 
My question to you today, church, is are you willing to do it? How far are you willing to go to see to it that this generation sees Jesus? Are you willing to get your hands dirty? Because the priest was willing to get himself in some ashes, y'all. He was willing to get his hands dirty. He was willing to have the tough scenario and take it himself. Are you willing to have the tough conversations in this culture today? Let me, let me blow your mind for a second. I was scrolling on Instagram the other day because the Bible says to be like some men to, that I may win some. So that's why I'm wearing J's today um, to look like a younger generation. You're welcome, kiddos. Hope, hope I'm kind of cool. I don't know. Anyway, but I was scrolling on Instagram to see, you know, what these kids are doing to, in today's society. No, I, I actually found this. This is actually a, a helpful resource uh, it's Feed Youth Ministry, Feed Youth Ministry. In fact, a great friend of mine, Joseph Kellogg, uh, he's been in youth ministry for over 20 years. Uh, I look to him as, as really a mentor, um, but this is what's crazy. He's partnered with this organization, and, and they posted this staz- staggering statistics. It says, it says this of Generation Z, Gen Z, that 25% of teenagers today they count themselves as a member of the LGBTQ community. They just consider themselves a part of it. Or maybe they find an agreement somewhere along in the same lines and belief systems. They, they just count themselves among that community. 25%. One in four of our Gen Z teenagers. Is that true? Let's keep going. They, they, they also posted this. 27% of Gen Z have recently experienced same-sex attraction. Now, that doesn't mean that they've actually acted on it or, or they were involved in a physical relationship. But, but at some point or another, they admitted that they had this attraction towards the same sex. 27%. And then watch this. This, is, this blew me away. 13% of Gen Z teenagers identify as transgender. As I'm sitting in my office reading and seeing these statistics, I thought to myself immediately, there's no way. There is no way. Because I, I was thinking immediately of like our teenagers here in our community. I was like, no, that, that person and that person. No, no, there's no way. There's no way that the... There's no way that these statistics are true. Until I had a conversation with a a teacher. And I told him these same statistics. And I said, you know, that actually seems kind of low for those numbers. I was like, really? She's like, yeah. Here's the problem. Are you willing to have that tough conversation with a teenager that may identify in any one of these categories? A lot of times, we're not. I, I will be the first to admit, I am not qualified. Pastor Weston, you've been in youth ministry for 12 years. I am not qualified. I've had several conversations with different people over the years. And can I tell you, I mess it up every single time. And I need Jesus. Because if I were to just sit here and just be honest, I can't have the conversation, but I've got to be willing to say, you know what? If this person is at, is at the other end of the table and they're willing and they're ready to have a conversation with me, I've got to point to, to the fact that, you, you know what? God put me at this table for a reason. 
and you have an opportunity of a lifetime, you may not know what to say. You may not know where to go. You may not have the resources. You are not qualified. But can I tell you, if you have the opportunity to pour and invest into a person, a teenager that is struggling with their identity, just be honest and open and transparent and show them the love of Jesus that you've experienced in this life. Be willing to have the conversation. Be willing to be present and not bow out because it makes you uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable too. But I can't bow out. They need us. Church, they need us. Got to be willing to have the tough conversations to get our hands dirty and say, you know what? I don't know what to do. And listen, we all day long, we can point the finger We can give excuses on why they're that way and why they're living this way. And you know what? They're acting like this because of whatever, blah, 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 blah. Listen, we have to take advantage of the opportunity that God gives us. No matter where they are in their journey with Jesus. Whether they're following closely, not at all. Or they're following at a distance. Training the next generation requires you. It requires your presence, your motherhood, your fatherhood, your grace, your wisdom, your experience, your compassion, and your spiritual guidance. Leviticus chapter 6, as we close today, verse 12. The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it continuously. It, it's got to keep burning. It shall not go out. The priest shall burn wood on it every morning. Somebody say every morning. Every morning. morning. And he shall arrange the burnt offering on it, and it shall be burning on it, and the fat of the peace offerings. It's got to keep going. And watch this in verse 13. The fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It shall not go out. Number three today, training requires our faithfulness. I want you to throw that that scripture back up there, if you will, Jackson. Again, a teenager running our words today. It's awesome. Every morning, every morning, every morning, The the man of God, the woman of God has got to be willing to show up every single day. No days off. Could you imagine taking a day off as as a parent, as a guardian, as a mother or father? Mom, dad, I want some coffee milk. Y'all, every morning. You know how many cups of coffee we drink as a family? Eight cups a day. <laughs> Pray for us. Every morning. Every morning. When you wake up tomorrow morning, remember me in your prayers. Mama, Daddy, hey, taking a day off. Sorry. I'm not parenting today. Y'all seen those shirts? I'm not adulting today or something like that. Could you imagine? No. No days off. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way they should go. The only way that they're going to know where to go is if you train them every day. It's going to require you being faithful every single day. I pick up my cross daily. Who's watching you pick up your cross, church? 
the people, the generations that are coming up behind you. They're watching you. They're watching us. I couldn't help but think, and, and literally, I could not shake this passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, a very familiar passage of Scripture that, that you've heard be preached countless times, that you've heard a podcast told about, I'm sure, whatever it may be. But the, the story of the prodigal son, or the lost son, if you will, Luke chapter 15 is full of, of lost things being found give you a snapshot of what happened. One of the sons of of a father, a wealthy man, he said, Dad, I want my inheritance today. I want my side of the money. Give it to me. And the dad, being loving as he is, he, he gave it to him. And of course, the story goes on. The son went and he squandered all his inheritance, his wealth, everything that he had on, on women and gambling and just this adulterous living, debaucherous living, just being wayward, rebellious. And in another city, another town, and of course, the region, the town where he was, goes into a famine. And so he's, he's left with nothing. He is literally at the end of his rope with nothing left gets hired on as a farmer uh, with a farmer and and he's helping fill food for pigs he is literally about to eat pig slop and all of a sudden he gets an epiphany this mind-blowing idea bro what am i about to eat i could be eating better as a servant in my father's house so he begins to create this plan, this idea. He begins to write down, you know what? I know what I'm going to tell my dad. I'm going to show up and I'm going to say this. I'm not worthy to be called your son. You know, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. Just hire me as a servant, dad. He gets up. And I want to read you what happens. Chapter 15 of Luke, verse 18. I will arise and go to my father hang on i told i told pastor chris this first service i've i've read this scripture so many times i've preached this message so many times but never has it stood out to me before like today notice the bible doesn't say and this is in many translations it doesn't say he went up and went home because now more than ever, a generation is not looking for a place to come home. They're looking for a person. He got up. I'm going to go to my father. And I will say to my father, I've sinned against heaven before you. Go to the next verse. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Verse 20. So he arose and came to his, not a house, not a building. Church, can I tell you, we're going to build a building, but the building is not new hope. You are new hope. And there are people in this community, there's a lost generation dying and going to hell, and they need not a building, but they need you. They need spiritual mothers and fathers willing to stand up and answer the call to say, I will lead by example. I will be faithful. I will be present, and I will pay attention. When they need me the most, I will step in and I will be available. That's what this generation needs. So he came up. 
he went to go see his father. I never forget years ago, 19 years old, I needed, I needed my mother and father. I've told this story before, just short story, short clip of my testimony. I was struggling, living this hypocritical lifestyle, leading worship from a platform, but yet um, not living for Jesus outside of the church. And my sin had caught up with me. And, and basically my youth pastor at the time finds out what I'd been doing and, and he says, hey, listen, you're, you're off the platform. You can't, you can't live how you want to out there and, and lead by example in here because obviously you're, the two are not matching up. So he told me, he said, hey, listen, you got 24 hours to go communicate to your parents. Again, I was 19 years old, a student leader at the time. He said, you got 24 hours, go tell your parents or, or I'm gonna have to. And they're gonna realize why you're not leading from the platform anymore. And I walked in, my parents are watching TV and, and obviously they can tell, they, can, they notice I'm upset. They turn the TV off and they're like, Weston, what's going on? I was like, I've gotta tell you something, I've gotta confess. Said, and I began to just weep and just overcome with just this, this emotion and just, just this, this filthy living that I had been going through. I felt, I felt like I had failed them as a son. And I felt like, I felt like, I was about to confess something and I was gonna get punished. I was, I was afraid of the consequences of my actions. And I'll never forget, my mom said something so profound and it sticks with me even to this day. And I believe it's something that we will share with these generations and I wanna share it with you today. My mom said, Weston, there's nothing that you've done that will make us love you any less. Church, that's the grace of God. And that's what this generation needs to hear that they're not coming to a, a building for social notoriety or social influence they need you they need us to share with them you know what I don't know what you've done but there's nothing that you've done that's gonna make me love you any less I love you and you're welcome here Church, we've got to get to this place that we become faithful, attentive, that we're present right where they are. The other half of verse 20, the father is, I imagine, again, this is not scriptural. This is just how I, I just view this story. The Bible says, and while he was still a long way off. His father saw him, felt compassion. He ran and embraced him and he kissed him. Church, the father doesn't see his son coming unless he's positioned to see him. That's why we can't take any days off. No days off. 
from parenting, from leading, from guiding, from instructing, from investing. The task is too big. The harvest is too great. What if, what if the day that you choose to slack off, the, choose, the, the day that you choose to just say, well, it's, it's not a big deal today. No, there could be a child coming down the road to talk to you and hear the investment that you have, the Jesus that you have to offer. What if they're coming to see you today? The father was faithful, consistent every day. I don't know that to be a fact, but I know that he saw his son coming because he was positioned to see him coming. So be where you are, be attentive, be full of grace, be full of faith, no matter where you are in this walk, in this journey, because these generations that are coming up behind us, they're gonna take this thing further than we could have ever imagined. But we gotta help them along the way. Amen.